As one of America's largest financial services companies, Nationwide makes simplicity a priority so financial professionals can help their clients achieve their retirement goals. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This is Bloomberg Surveillance with Tom Keen, Jonathan Farrow, and Lisa Abramowitz on Bloomberg Radio. That's all I have to say. That's one way of wrapping up a news conference with Chairman Powell down in Washington, D.C., live from New York City. Good afternoon to you all. This is Bloomberg Surveillance, live on TV and radio alongside Lisa Abramowitz. I'm Jonathan Farrow, picking up from the news conference after Chairman Powell and the committee hiked interest rates by 25 basis points, a rate hike, but they considered a pause And he was keen to communicate they don't see rate cuts this year as well. Here's the price action for you on the S&P 500, down about a half of 1%. It was higher about 30 minutes or so ago. We turned lower. Likewise with the Nasdaq, we're now down about a tenth of 1% also. In the bond market, though, this move sticks. The two-year yield down by 20 basis points, 397. Let's call it, let's round that up for you. On a 10-year, we're down about 12 basis points to, let's call it, 350. Just about sub-350 at 348.66. Taking a look at the euro against the dollar, euro-dollar, Looks like this, 108.76, positive about 1%. That is a stronger euro. That is a weaker dollar. Lisa, what's really interesting about this meeting is that at the same time Chairman Powell was speaking, the Treasury Secretary was as well. And arguably in the last hour, you could make the argument that the most important headline came from the Treasury Secretary and not the Fed Chair. 100%. Fed Chair Jay Powell was boring. I mean, let's be honest. That was a boring press conference. He didn't really say anything other than we're not sure. We adjusted our projections and really towed the line. But Janet Yellen said she is not considering a broad increase in deposit insurance despite all of the discussions around some sort of blanket deposit insurance. This is spooking the market. And you can see that immediate uh, response in markets. So at what point is this counter-programming? Jerome Powell comes out and he's saying everything's fine. We have complete confidence in the stability of financial system. And she's here kind of raising questions about what the backstop is going to be for some of these regional banks. So we asked the question through the last hour, in fact, the last couple of days, can you take the financial instability of the last two weeks and work out how it equates to interest rates at the Federal Reserve? That's clearly something the Fed chair and the committee are trying to do. Take a listen to what the Fed chair had to say. For purposes of our monetary policy tool, we're looking at what's happening among the banks Uh, and asking, is there going to be some tightening in credit conditions? And then we're thinking about that as effectively doing the same thing that rate hikes do. So in a way, that substitutes for rate hikes. So the the key is we have to have policies need got to be tight enough to bring inflation down to 2% over time. It doesn't all have to come from rate hikes. It can come from, uh, you know, from uh, tighter credit conditions. This underpins a massive difference between the communication from this Fed chair today and what you've heard from President Lagarde in the last week. The experiences in this banking system in America right now, very different to the experience in Europe. There is a real belief on the committee at the Federal Reserve communicated by the Fed chair that they believe, like many people do, have spoken to us in the last couple of weeks, that the financial instability will lead to tighter credit conditions. And that could be a substitute for the tightening through rate hikes that this Fed could deliver. He specified it's hard to know exactly how much, and he couldn't come up with a model like some others have come up with to try to pin that down. But they're trying to game it out 
anyway. I mean, you were noting that. And, and basically, there has been a marked shift in the expectations. Again, a lot of this it really hinges on the stability of the financial system. And so I do wonder why, A, he didn't really discuss deposit insurance and how important that was to the banking system, especially as, B, Janet Yellen went out there and was like, yeah, 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 no, that's not, that's not really going to happen. Do you think that's clearly because he wanted Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen to take care of this herself, knew that she was speaking at the same time? You know, I'm not going to speculate. I mean, I can speculate, but it's not really going to help. It's not going to help anyone. I'm just wondering what the communication here is in terms of policy, especially because you need the political will to do something like that at a time when it's unclear that they can get really much done. I mean, we're still talking about not getting a budget passed. So, I mean, I just wonder how that's going to be the fly in the ointment for this whole messaging procedure at a time when he was successful. It was boring. He didn't really make any waves. And that is an absolute rip-roaring hallelujah. And that's a big achievement, considering how tense, how 100%. difficult this moment was for this Federal Reserve. If you are just tuning in, welcome to the program. A 25 basis point hike from the Federal Reserve. We had a statement. We had some projections. We've just had a 40-minute news conference or something like that. In the statement, they'd previously said at the last couple of meetings that the committee anticipates ongoing increases in the Fed funds rate. That's been replaced now. The committee anticipates that some additional policy firming may be appropriate. He was asked about what that means, policy firming. He said the important words here, Lisa, are some and may. Some and may. (laughs) But there might be some and it may happen. I guess you can read into that whatever you want to read into that. Ultimately, they're trying to stay open-minded about the whole thing. Ultimately, they're saying, we have no clue. I mean, look at the projections that are all over the place going out to 2024 and 2025 when you look at the dots. They're saying, we don't know. We're watching things the way that you're watching things, and we're not going to rock the boat, but we still do see inflation being an issue. Basically, they've been listening to all of our commentators and representing all of their views in a perfect way to not rock the boat. My question is just, are we going to step away from this saying Janet Yellen kind of did it for him? Should we work through the projection materials? For 2023, the median dot is 5.1%. The previous set of projections, which I believe was back in December, also 5.1%, so no real change there. But Lisa and I were looking at the central tendency and the range of estimates on the committee as well. The range of estimates on the committee for 2023, Lisa, anywhere from 4.9 to to 5.9. For 24, I think you picked up on the longer dots as well, 3.4 to 5.6. I mean, we don't get real dissent at the Federal Reserve. It's rare that you hear from anyone. It's often the regional Fed presidents when you do get some, if not always. But you can see, based on the projections and the ranges there, that there is a pretty wide range of views about where they think rates are going. Okay, get this. I can't get over this. 2025, someone has their dot at 5.6%, and someone else has their dot at 2.37%. So try to square that. I mean, basically, you have a 25 to 3 percentage point gap between those two. We don't understand where we're heading I just wonder whether they're going to really be guiding or whether they're going to be following the market. And the market gave them an opening and they took it. Just an extra line on financial stability and what the Fed chair had to say in the news conference. Do you remember that line from Senator Warren in the last couple of days? Was it on Face the Nation on Sunday where she said, this chairman, he said all he wants is looser financial regulation. He said, I plan to support stronger supervision and regulation. Have we put that to bed now? That ultimately, that's the direction of travel. That's what the Fed's going to be pushing for. He never came out and said, all I want is, is looser financial conditions and less regulation. That's, that, that does, that's not probably an accurate depiction of what he said. There still are questions emerging. When they knew, what they knew, 
how quickly they're, they're, they're sort of keyed off when there is some sort of risk. There still are questions. He's just going to point to the investigation. But, you know, people are still looking for a lot of answers. Up front at the top of the news conference, we're prepared to use all tools to keep the bank system fa- safe. Went on to say there's ample liquidity. It's available. And that depositors' savings are safe as well. Now, that one's interesting. To what degree? To what extent? To what amount? We know the FDIC limit. 250,000. We thought maybe that's going to get changed. Inevitable. We were just trying to work out what the number might be. The Treasury Secretary's comments in the last hour may be muddy in the water a little bit. A little bit. I mean, this was one of the proposals on the table was some sort of broad increase in uh, deposit insurance. She's saying, we're not considering a broad increase in deposit insurance. How much are their hands tied? When you look at uh, Senator Schumer, as well as Kevin McCarthy, both sides of the aisle, not really having much political will to have anything that could be skewed as a bailout in some of the political uh, propaganda. I mean, that's really the concern. And anything that they do could be skewed as that. So there's not really the emphasis on doing something that, you know, perhaps some of these uh, officials would like to see. Let's get down to D.C. and catch up with AMH. Anne-Marie, your latest read on the latest comments from the Treasury Secretary. Well, it goes against some of our reporting, but we should note that it is within the Treasury Department's purview to do the due due diligence to look at potentially if they were have to do this again to expand the FDIC, something that obviously we know mid-side banks are asking for. But Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, didn't mince words. She said that at this moment, not something that we have looked at. So potentially it hasn't gotten to her desk or potentially it's not in a place where they'd be making a decision on it. But our reporting is that the Treasury Department was doing this due diligence, not something to invoke risk, but just something that they wanted to make sure they could have the research and intelligence done if they were have to take that step. Anne-Marie, thanks for that. Down in Washington on the latest, two things happening at the same time. We've been following the chairman news conference down in Washington as well. Mike McKee's been inside that news conference. Mike, let's talk about it. Great exchange with you and the Fed chair about 30 minutes ago. What was your takeaway? Well, I think there are a couple of takeaways from this. One is that the Fed is, uh, leave the banking system aside, still concerned about inflation, still worried that they are not tight enough and prepared to go higher with the Fed funds rate to bring inflation down. And he reiterated that they're going to leave rates at the uh, higher level uh, until they get some progress on inflation. So uh, the banking situation doesn't seem to have affected the course of monetary policy. The interesting thing on the uh, banks, though, is that uh, Powell was ready to say that Silicon Valley Bank was very badly managed, they did the wrong things, and that while there's an investigation into what the Fed did wrong, uh, this was basically a couple of bad banks as opposed to a systemic problem. I'm not sure that message is going to get received as he specifically tried to get it out there, but he was trying to reassure people. As far as the uh, FDIC limits and the, and the bank uh, deposit limits, uh, Congress has to approve that. And it really doesn't have anything to do with the Fed. The Fed can, do an emerg- can vote for an emergency exception, as they did with these two banks, but Treasury has to agree and the FDIC has to agree. Uh, it's really a Treasury-FDIC proposal that then has to go through Congress. So I think what... Uh, Powell was trying to do was reassure Americans that their deposits are safe because nobody's going to really let them uh, lose a lot of money. But he can't make any promises because it's not his business. It's not his job. 
And we are seeing some of those bank stocks fall further after the comments from Janet Yellen, despite some of the assurances from Fed Chair Jay Powell. Mike, Steve Chivarone uh, wrote in saying, I'm wrong. It's not a boring meeting. It was actually uh, really interesting. He said, I think this meeting marks the passing of the torch from inflation and duration risks to recession and credit risks. Did you take that away, too, that the tone had shifted in terms of the greater likelihood of a hard landing and the greater likelihood of some sort of credit event? If there was a shift, I think it was more towards uncertainty. I don't think it was anything to do with the recession or pullback. Uh, The Fed still thinks inflation is the biggest issue, and the Fed still wants to stay on its policy path. There's a little bit more of a willingness to say, if things go south, we would be willing to look at monetary policy actions. But several times he repeated, rate cuts are not in the cards right now. They're going to have to wait and see. They don't know what the bank problems are going to mean in terms of credit tightening. But some of that credit tightening from the banks may be exactly what they're looking for, so they don't have to raise rates as high. Uh, but no, I don't think the uh, Fed at this point has uh, switched gears at all, uh, acknowledging more uncertainty, but not suggesting they're anywhere near a hard landing or uh, that they're anywhere near closer to knowing uh, how the landing is going to come about. Hey, Mike, wonderful work as always. Mike McKee, just one of the best. My terminal always lights up when Mike asks the question in a news conference. Great always. Question. Great question. Mike nails it. If you missed it, here's Mike nailing it in the news conference. Participants don't see rate cuts this year. They just don't. Are you saying that um, what you see and the 5.1% basically uh, consensus is based on being, it will be sufficiently restrictive, or is it leavened by the idea of you don't know what's going to happen? In other words, what should people think about in terms of how the Fed thinks about how far it is from the terminal? For purposes of our monetary policy tool, we're looking at what's happening among the banks uh, and asking, is there going to be some tightening of credit conditions? And then we're thinking about that as effectively doing the same thing that rate hikes do. So in a way, that substitutes for rate hikes. Nobody ever says, make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs to ways to cover rising health care costs and more, Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Joining us now to discuss Bill Dudley, former New York Fed president and currently, of course, Bloomberg opinion columnist. Bill, you've had some time to process all of that. What do you make of it? I think it was pretty logical what happened. Uh, you know, basically, the Fed is saying that uh, one, uncertainty has gone up a lot. We're not really sure how long the banking system stress is going to last and how severe it's going to be. Uh, number two, that that stress is going to restrain the economy. And that substitutes a little bit for rate hikes. So we're not going to have to do as much as we thought we were going to have to do earlier. 
But I think the real key is something that Mike McKee talked about. Uncertainty has gone up. Certainly has gone up a lot. And I think it's sort of interesting that markets are, are not really uh, fully focused on that because the risk of a hard landing is, is, is higher now because the Fed isn't going to really know what's the appropriate policy to do until they get a lot more information. And it's going to take time for that information to be received. And it's not going to be very easy to assess how are these banking woes going to affect credit conditions and how much is that going to affect economic growth. So I think that we're actually in a worse place today than we were a few weeks ago because they're just, you know, there's two forces. One force is keeping inflation high. Another force is uh, slowing the economy down. And we don't know which one is going to dominate or for how long. So I think the risk of a hard landing has definitely gone up. Bill, the easy way to dismiss any conversation around the Fed is just to say they're data dependent. I hear that so much. They're going to be data dependent. But Bill, at this point, I'm wondering, what data are they, are they dependent on for the next decision? Well, I think the problem is that the data on the effects of credit tightening on the economy take a while to actually be realized. You know, the, you know, we have two sort of open questions about the banking system. Number one, how broad is it going to be? How many banks are going to be affected? Number two, how much are banks that are affected actually going to tighten their credit standards? The problem is not a credit problem. The problem was they actually put banks taking on too much interest rate risk. So it's not obvious to me that tightening credit standards is really the logical response. And number three, how long is this going to go on? So I think that there's a lot of uncertainty here about uh, how much of a breaking effect uh, the banking system woes are going to be on the economy. You know, the fact that the Fed basically has one more rate hike and then keeps rates high throughout the year suggests that at this point, they don't think that this is going to exert a lot of downward uh, momentum on the economy. What's interesting today is the market reaction to the, Fed, the Fed's uh, press, the press conference and the, and the statement and the summary of economic projections was to be a slight, ever so slightly surprised by the rate hike because it wasn't fully priced in, but it actually is pricing in more rate reduction in, in the rest of 2023 and into 24 than they were earlier. And I think that was a little bit surprising, frankly, given the fact that Powell was very clear, we don't expect to cut rates in 2023. Does that open up a question about the credibility of the Fed? I think it opens up a question that people are just very uncertain about what the banking system was mean for economic activity, and then how does that actually translate to the Fed? Uh, I think you know people are you know worried about the downside risk from from the banking sector. Steve Chevron of Federated, I keep going back to this because I think it's a really salient point. This meeting marks the passing of the torch from inflation and duration risks. He wrote to recession and credit risks. Arguably, what we have seen is not a credit crunch. However, often liquidity crunches can lead to credit crunches, as we've seen in the past. Bill, do you agree that this really is a tipping point as represented to some of the changes in the statement? I think it really depends on how broad and how long. I mean, you know, we've had other examples where there have been all sorts of market turbulence and no recession resulted. The most obvious example of that was the 1987 stock market crash where people were talking about making analogies back to the Great Depression and the economy didn't go into recession at all. So I think the real issue here is how many banks are affected and how strongly do they react? When I look at the U.S. banking system today, I see only a handful of banks that have actually been affected. And they only account for a few percentage points of total banking assets. So I personally think that if this thing is stabilized right here, the effects on the real economy are going to be pretty modest. So to be clear then, Bill, that's an important point because we're only two weeks into this. If it doesn't spill over and carry on bleeding, are we going to go back to what we were talking about two, three weeks ago in another two weeks? We very well can. I mean, I don't think, it, I don't think we'll have the clarity in two weeks, but... 
uh, you know, six weeks from now, the next FOMC meeting, you know, maybe we're back in the situation where, gee, the banks that were under pressure have either remedied themselves or, or, or been acquired, and the rest of the banking system is fine, uh, and the economy is still too strong, and the labor market is still too tight, and inflation is still too high. I mean, the reality is the Fed actually hasn't accomplished much yet in terms of generating more slack in the labor market or actually bringing services inflation down. And that's important to recognize. So when the Fed chair says we're not thinking about cutting interest rates this year, I guess you're saying we should really take him seriously because you don't think that's going to happen at all. Well, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a wide band around that possible outcome. But I think what he's saying is that job number one for the Fed is to get inflation down to 2%. And they think that's going to be a long, drawn out process, not something that's going to happen very, very quickly. I thought it was interesting in the summary of economic projections, if you look at their forecast, the forecast virtually unchanged from the, the December meeting. So essentially what they did was economy is stronger than we thought, inflation is higher than we thought. Oh, but we have had some banking system woes. What should we do to our forecast? Well, let's leave it basically unchanged. Because uh, that's, that's a set. And, and they're doing that because they just don't know which, which of those two forces predominates. John mentioned that you could drive a truck through some of the economic projections if you take a look at the dots and how far apart the highest and the lowest are. I was really struck by 2025 dots and just the range of estimates from 5.6% to 2.5%. I'm wondering if you've ever seen anything like this before, where there is so little of a compass directing all Fed members, but even if they're on the same page right now. I think that they're on the same page in terms of if you told them what the economic forecast was, they would write down interest rate paths that was pretty similar. I think what's, what, they're, what they probably disagree on is how the, is the economy actually going to evolve? How quickly is inflation going to come down? What's going to happen to economic growth? Are we going to have a hard landing or soft landing? And so there's probably just a lot of uncertainty about how the actual economy is going to evolve. And that uncertainty about the economic forecast, I think, has gone up. So, you know, the modal forecast contained in the summary of economic projections has not changed very much at all. But the distribution, the probability distribution has widened out dramatically, in part because of the banking laws. Final question, Bill. Next decision is May 3rd. Is that enough time to get the incoming information you think they need? We'll see. I mean, you know, I think it's going to be either the banking system stabilizes pretty quickly in the next few weeks, or we just have, you know, creeping problems. You know, the, the problem that in the banking system is when you know, the first weakest, the weakest bank gets into difficulty, that raises the stress on everybody else because everyone else gets more skittish. Yeah. You know, all the all the people that are, you know, using the banks are much more skittish today than they were before the Silicon Valley Bank failed. And so it doesn't take as much bad news today to generate the same response as a couple of weeks ago. Hey, Bill, this was wonderful, as always. Bill Dudley there, the former New York Fed president, currently, amongst other things, a Bloomberg opinion colonist weighing in on the decision from the Federal Reserve. Lisa, what a moment. Quite clearly, the takeaway for me after that news conference, after that conversation just there, when we talk about being data dependent, what are we really dependent on between now and that next meeting in early May? How many more banks fail? It's not CPI, is it? Whether we get it's some sense of real credit tightening. Right. It's all backward looking. And right now the president's moving so quickly. And that was very clear and very present, which is the reason why people seem to still be responding to what Janet Yellen is saying. She's still testifying in front of the Senate. And I do want to just give you uh, a sense of what else she did say. It seemed like she softened her tone just a touch, which is the walk back that some people were expecting. She said... 
not time yet to say if FDIC insurance cap is appropriate. So, you know, basically hedging and hawing, and you saw a revival in some of the shares of these banks. So right now, people are tracking her comments probably more than any fallout from the Fed. But this, to me, was interesting. She said that deposits left Silicon Valley Bank at a pace that was never seen before. And this comes at a time where there is a new threat of, and people blame Twitter, people blame media, people blamed everything, but you can withdraw money at the tap of a phone. And that has changed the scenario and the protocol for banks that really rely on these deposits in a way that the larger complex of the banking world does not. I've always said when these officials testify, they should have a Bloomberg terminal, <laughs> just a, a live feed of where markets so are heard. when they speak, just to sort of like, you know, auto-correct them as they go on and I think maybe she does, uh, tick right? Tick. Maybe she was like, uh, all right, uh, walk perhaps, that back. Maybe. Jeff Rosenberg joined us now from BlackRock. Jeff, I think people are asking the question, was the hike today the final hike? Well, uh, I think Powell was very clear to try to indicate not only is this not the final hike, but that to Mike McKee's question, that there's a real disconnect between what the Fed is telling the market in terms of their forecasts and their expectations and what the market is pricing in in terms of cuts uh, at the at the May meeting, as soon as the May meeting. So I think this meeting, you know, is is really uh, about dealing with the present crisis in, in, in the banking sector. And that unknown is is really, you know, that's going to determine where we are in, in, in May. But but, you know, Powell said something very important about why they changed the statement. They changed the statement. It was much more dovish because of the banking crisis. And then he went on to say why the SCP forecasts were relatively unchanged. And that was due to offsetting factors. The offsetting factors here is that if we didn't have this banking crisis, then this would have been a more hawkish result. And it would have been a terminal rate that probably went higher. He said that explicitly. Our path was probably going to be higher than what we had projected in the December SEP. So going back to what Bill Dudley said, I just want to add that, it, you know, the uncertainty grows on both sides. It's the tail risks that are increasing. And, and while most people are looking at the market and saying, oh, we're really worried about this banking crisis and the hard landing, uncertainty cuts both ways. And so the other way to think about the uncertainty here is that the Fed didn't do what it otherwise would have done given the fundamentals of the inflation data that got very little attention at all to the question about 12 times and it's a feature and not a bug, the focus in this meeting is distracted, perhaps rightly so, or perhaps as we'll see if this, if this, if this crisis fades, that it distracted from the fundamental issue and that by not having tightened more, they raised the risk on the other side of a more persistent inflation outlook. So I think when we talk about uncertainty going up, which I agree with, it's a two-sided uncertainty. Jeff, I'm really glad that you brought this up, but I want to build on that, this idea that perhaps people are dramatically underpricing longer-term inflation as a result of a, not an artificial, but an interrupted rate-hiking cycle that would have looked different based on the data. From your vantage point, is that the risk that is most underpriced in markets right now? I, I think it is. It's a very asymmetric outcome right now. The market is pricing for the bank scenario. It's pricing for the last 20 or 30 years of Fed policy behavior. Financial sector stress leads to a Fed that pauses and that and that cuts. That's what we've seen from the Federal Reserve. And 
if the crisis is big enough, we'll see that again. But that's a big if. And as and, and as Powell you know, stated very clearly, trying to estimate the impact is guesswork. You know, so these numbers that are being thrown around, those are guesses. Is it 25? Is it 150? No one knows. When you look at the market reaction, the two-year yield chart, and you pull that back a little bit longer, it looks like a lot. For the market's pricing, they're giving a lot of impact to future monetary policy and, and very soon to be cuts as a result of this event. But the extent, I think was the word he was using, is highly uncertain. And what we also have to talk about not only is the extent, but the marginal impact. Powell talked about financial condition indices, and they mostly don't measure this. And so if you look at bank lending uh, standards, if you look at tightening conditions that incorporate that, you're going to use the survey of lending standards. And that has been showing a tightening condition for a very long time. Certainly, this event marginally increases it. But the question is really to what extent. And if this ends up like UK LDI, then this will be a lot less of an extent. And therefore, the market is overpricing the amount of cuts that they should be taking out of the market expectations. Market to one side, Jeff, I'm with you. It is a guessing game, but I believe the Fed's taken a stab at it. Because if we got an SVP two weeks ago, I think that rate, that dot, goes from 5.1 to 5.60. I think most people thought that was what was going to happen. So, Jeff, with that in mind, hasn't the Fed just told us that they think it probably equates to about 50 basis points? Yeah, I think it's. I think he even said, you know, one, maybe some more. He was kind of anchoring to 25 or 50. And I think you can infer from the, the counterfactual on the SCP that that is kind of the implicit uh, pr- projection. But it's again, it's 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 highly uncertain. Um, you know, and then, you know, John, you just asked the question around, you know, what are we going to learn between now and then? You know, if this crisis subsides, if the interventions are successful, and, and think about that, uh, you know, globally, yeah. um, you know, then it will be about the data. And we'll go back to what about the data and the evolution? And are we seeing that disinflationary trend that the market is also expecting to see? Or to some of the comments today, and what were, would have been the most recent uh, uh, reflection of inflation data that you're not seeing that, and that that will reemerge as the focus. Jeff, that's what's going to make the next month or so pretty difficult to trade because, Jeff, if you think about it, I believe right now this market is likely to ignore the incoming economic data, whether it's inflation or payrolls and focus on what we hear from the banking sector. So, Jeff, with that in mind, when you talk about those two uncertainties, it sounds like the inflation risk is just going to get parked and maybe built throughout the rest of this summer until we get some clarity on what financial stability really looks like. Now, Jeff, you've got to put money to work against that backdrop, knowing that maybe this market might be less sensitive to incoming information, traditional data points, CPI, payrolls, etc. How would you manage that? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jonathan. I mean, the, the banking sector crisis will happen faster. Its evolution will happen faster than the incoming inflation data. That's good in the sense that, you know, if it stabilizes, it will become stable very clear. We're going to get resolution on some of the other outstanding banks. The global issues seem to be coming resolved. So you can get to that resolution quickly or you can get to a contagion effect and they need to ramp up, you know, broader intervention policy that will reconcile relatively quickly. Uh, we just don't know in, in, in what direction. In the interim, you know, higher uncertainty really means 
that it, it, it's it's very risky, very tough to make a, a definitive statement in terms of portfolio positioning. Our, our stance has been and it remains pretty defensive with respect to the hard landing outcomes uh, and defensive with regards to how much duration risk you want to take here. Given the inversion of the yield curve, you know, you can find some decent yield without taking a lot of duration risk in the front end of the curve. Just real quick, Jeff, what would it take for you to become less uh, defensive, perhaps a little more aggressive to feel a little bit more conviction? Well, I, I think two things, right? It's about reconciling both of those uncertainties in a, in a positive manner. The first, obviously, being the banking sector crisis and the degree to which it spilled over into too much or over-tightening. Effectively, when you look at the bond market pricing in cuts by May, they're saying the Fed's too tight. It, it's going to have to re- reconcile that by cutting. And the banking system crisis has accelerated the degree of tightening. Um, I think if you saw that reconciled to the positive sense where there was relief in terms of the hard landing scenario, that's going to reduce the recession risk. And then if you also at the same time start to get back to some positive developments on inflation, you further remove the threat that we were talking and worried about, say, two weeks ago, that the Fed had to go longer, faster, narrowing the runway for that soft landing that he got the question for. I think if you see those two developments, you know, then I think it's going to be a much clearer environment for reducing the tail risk of recession and pricing that in. You can start to add some more risk, economic exposure, down in quality credit exposure into the portfolio if you saw those two things happen. Hey, Jeff, wonderful to catch up with you, sir. As always, Jeff Rosenberg there of BlackRock on the latest Fed decision. I think a lot of people walk away from this thinking Chairman Powell handled that well. History is so. going to be the ultimate judge. If this financial stability issue gets worse, then the 25 basis point hike looks terrible. If it goes away and inflation stays elevated, it looks like it's the right thing to do. And that's why it's so difficult to be a policymaker confronting decisions like this one today. My, what I heard from him was basically, you guys can have your views. I'll have mine. None of us know. We don't anticipate cutting rates. The market says, yeah, you're going to cut rates by almost a percentage point by the beginning of Jan- by the end of January. He says, look, you guys do what you want. We'll play it by ear. We've got the backs of uh, banks. It, it was successful. It was not that interesting. He didn't, which was good. Stay on the banks going into the close. That's what you need to watch. First Republic down 17% and rolling over. Coming up at the close, Remain Boss that's going to lead the coverage. Morgan Stanley, Seth Carpenter, Ed Yardeni of Yardeni Research. The bank's rolling over. Secretary Yellen weighing in. Chairman Powell goes 25. From New York, this is Bloomberg. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street. The promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, Top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.